You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Jabberjaw Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. And this week we have Mr. Kenny Vasoli uh, from The Starting Line, from Personnel, from uh, Vacationer. He's a podcaster. You guys have seen him you know, all over the place since the early 2000s. And what an awesome dude. We had such an awesome conversation. It was so much fun. We were, there was a lot of laughing and joking around. And, and uh, you know, Kenny and I have never really met before. Um, I think randomly at a show, it was like, hey, how you doing kind of thing. Um, never spent any time together. So I love going into these interviews with uh, a lot of times with nothing and just going for it and seeing what happens. And that's something I've been doing more and more of lately is, is going in, not unprepared, but with no prepared questions. So it keeps it really real. Like you just ran into each other in an airport and started talking. Um, that's when the best stuff comes out, I think. You know, there's some preparation as far as, you know, getting your facts straight on things and, and things like that. So you're not coming to it in the dark. But I do love just the conversational aspect to where it can go anywhere. Um, I think we talked about Fat Mike for 10 minutes, you know, like it's something where, but it was fun. So a uh, big shout out to Kenny. Thank you for coming on. And also to Brendan Ekstrom from Circa, who he hooked us together um, when I was back in Philly for podcast movement. He had, he had mentioned a bunch of people that were over in that area that I should connect with. And Ken was one of them. And we didn't get to connect at that point, so uh, we're doing it now. Anyway, 
Um, so I'm stoked you guys are here another week. I'm really glad you guys are going to get to hear this interview. Um, it was a lot of fun, as I said just before. So uh, big shout out to Kenny and Brennan and to you guys for coming back week after week. All right, let's get some business out of the way. PeerPleasurePodcast.com is the website. That's where you'll find everything. The newest episodes, there's a playlist on there of every episode. So if you have a friend that you want to tell about the show, send them over to PeerPleasurePodcast.com and they can literally literally go through every episode right there. Just stream through it and find who they want to check out first. Um, you know, we're over 110 episodes in. There's tons of content on there with all all walks of life, all styles of music, um, you know, just lots of stuff. So we've got some actors on there now. Uh, we've been trying to branch out a little bit into the Hollywood scene and pull from there, um, you know, and I'm, I've gotten a lot of feedback from you guys that you're enjoying it. So we'll definitely keep going that route and just kind of talking to who we can find. And, you know, it doesn't really matter who's on. I, I've said it before on podcasts I've guessed it on. It doesn't matter who your guest is, as long as they, the people like the show, um, they're going to keep coming back and listening. And that's what happens. You know, we could be talking to some guy at the the restaurant down the street, you know, and, and people would listen because they want to hear the conversation. And it's not necessarily who's on. So um, that's awesome to know. So thanks to you guys for that. Um, also, we got some sponsors this week. Uh, we have Merge 4, as always. Uh, Merge 4 Socks, check them out on Instagram and online, Merge4.com. They got a lot of new stuff. And we just did a skateboard competition in Newburgh, Oregon. And we did a uh, raffle for a company, called, or not a company, but a nonprofit called Speak Out. And they help with uh, mental health crisis and everything. And we had a box of socks sent from Merge 4 just for that to do a raffle and giveaway along with um, skate decks from Holy Mountain Printing and skate decks from uh, Zach from Portugal Man donated donated his uh, skate deck to the raffle and it went really well. So big shout out to the Newburgh Skate Comp and I mean it was organized. It went off without a hitch. It was awesome. We sold a lot of merch and with that being said, in the next week or two we're going to have uh, the rest of the new merch up on the store. So check that out. We got new shirts and, and uh, tote bags and things like that. Just things Simple punk rock, white shirts, black ink, uh, you know, keeping it simple. So I, I love how far the Pleasure Skull has gone around the world as a symbol uh, for the show and a symbol for something that people enjoy. And I see it all over the place, from skate decks to bathrooms to, to lamp posts. You know, uh, we got some some pictures sent in from all over the world for people that have spotted this thing. So it's really taking off, and it's super awesome. So, uh, guys... I want to get into this episode with Ken and, you know, thank you for coming back week after week. I'm going to try to keep these intros a little shorter. You know, I've been hearing a lot of uh, other podcasts where intros just drag on and on. And I know I don't script these things. So it's me. I sit down with my microphone, press record and just start talking to you. And, uh, you know, I always say guys and, and uh, or, you know, uh, speak in the plural. But, you know, I'm talking to you as individuals. I'm talking to each one of you that's listening you know, uh, from the heart and, and from a real place. And I don't want to feel like, you know, I, I like the, the group mentality that it's a, a group of listeners, but I want everyone to pick what they want from the episodes and know that I'm speaking to you directly and really trying to connect with you as I'm trying to connect with the guest as well. And I mean, that's a huge deal for me is, is each and every one of you. So, um, you know, don't feel like you're not one of the the most important people to the show because each one of you are 
are the most important people to the show and and uh you know i want you to feel that way and i hope you know that when you email me i write you back uh when you message me i write you back you know uh if you call leave a message you you know the connection is there with each and every one of you you know and and i really appreciate that so that's my soapbox for the week uh i'm gonna get into this episode without further ado let's listen to a conversation with mr ken Vasoli from the starting line going on guys this is dewey from pure pleasure and i want to tell you about our newest sponsor distrokid distrokid distributes your music across all online platforms they are an amazing company i've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks and they're going to be with us for a while and i really really appreciate that i love working with great companies and distrokid is one of them uh they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called splits now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately. That is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month, because I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. Hello. Hey, Ken, what's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going, Dewey? Oh, going great, my friend. Going awesome, man. Great. Good- Great to hear from you. <laughs> good to hear. Good to hear your voice as well, man. Uh, I, I, 
I'm trying to remember if you and I have met before, and I think it was maybe in like 2002, briefly at like a. God damn! It was like I'm trying to remember what tour it was. I remember it had to be 2002 or 2003. The club was called the B Complex, and it was uh, in Portland, Oregon. And it was fuck. I get the tours confused because I think it was like Thrice Anti Flag was the like one night, and then the next night was you guys. I think it was you guys and Finch. Did you huh. guys did you guys do a tour with Finch in 2002? We um we may have played some dates with them. It may have been that may have been something around the drive-through tour cuz I think that they popped on one or two shows of the drive-through tour and we ended up playing was that sort of a larger place cuz I don't that place doesn't really ring a bell right now. It was like a it, it had brick walls and it was like a warehouse in like the industrial area of Portland. Um yeah, it was it was a bigger place about about uh, eight hundred or a thousand capacity, I think. Cool, but yeah, anyway. that one kind of that one slipped by my long term memory, <laughs> and I'm sorry. Uh, but but that's conceivable that, that that we met at something like that. Yeah, I know. We and then I think that I didn't see you again until I uh, Warp Tour 2007, I think. Uh, right. My band, Anatomy of a Ghost, had broken up at that point, and Portugal the Man had started. And then I was in another band called The Burning Room. We were playing like this uh, smart punk stage or something. And uh, cool. I remember checking out Starting Line. That because that. Um... Oh man, yeah. Anyway, I'm just trying to to tie things together. But um, yeah, I'm stoked to have you on. So. Um, stoked to be a part of it yeah i see i i've actually familiarized myself with a few of the episodes because i'm a i'm a podcast freak man i like listening to them it just uh it makes me feel especially if there's no one home it just makes you feel like i have, I have company over or something <laughs> so i was like all right i'll give this guy's podcast a whirl and i really i really enjoy these episodes man dude that's awesome to hear i appreciate that a lot i uh i was talking to uh brendan who who hooked us up from circa and him and i yes. toured together back in the this day forward days and he's like man have you talked to to ken from starting line i was like no i haven't and he's like dude i could hook you guys together i was like dude that'd be rad so yeah that's kind of what came about and then uh i'm glad you checked out the show i remember you would text me about the fat mike episode and and uh dude <laughs> which is the weirdest dude. thing ever yeah, that was the first one I dived into because I don't know if you heard from Brendan or just through the grapevine about the, you know, the um, no effects thing that happened at the Mountain View Warp Tour that Brendan and I were a part of. But the, but that like no effects has been like pretty like close, like closer than ever to my life, like these past few weeks. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll see what's up with Fat Mike. And holy shit, man, I had no idea. I'd never really listened to any interviews with that guy. And like, you're, what are you like the, uh, Mark Marin of punk rock or something? Like you got so much out of that guy. It's, that was amazing. It's just a, it's just a conversation, man. That's the thing that's so weird about it is the, the whole, the whole thing of podcasting. And uh, I mean, I started out with one idea in when I started the show and then as time went on, you know, a hundred some episodes in, I just kind of found the groove and and uh it's weird because Fat Mike like he's been a part of my life for a long time with no effects since I was a teenager. And it was the weirdest thing because uh, we set up the interview the the one part you don't hear at the beginning uh cuz I didn't put it in there is I call him up like I'm totally nervous. I I don't get nervous for these things, but I was totally nervous. 
Because right. I was like, man, this guy doesn't do many interviews, and he's kind of just very matter-of-fact, and maybe it won't go very well. So I, I, I call him. He's like, hello. I was like, hey, man, uh, it's Dewey with the, the interview. He's like, oh, you're going to – Yeah. You're going to have to call me back. I'm taking a shit. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, great. And I was like, all right, man, I'll, I'll, I'll call you in 15 – he's like, call me in 15 minutes. I was like, oh, man, it's bad shit. And <laughs> so then, yeah, I call him. I almost didn't. I was like, man, this is going to be awful. Maybe I should just bail. And I, I didn't. And then it worked into what you heard. Like, and then afterwards, like, hey, why don't you fly down on Tuesday and hang out and we'll play all this music. And I was like, this is the weirdest fucking thing ever. I have to do this. I told my wife, I was like, I think I have to go to L.A. next week. She's like, what? <laughs> I told her the story. She's like, oh, yeah, you got to go. That's fucking crazy. And yeah. Yeah. So there we were. <laughs> That's amazing, man. I mean, you really you caught something special with that one. And, uh, you know, we don't have to talk about Fat Mike the whole time, but we can. No, because it's, it's just that fascinating. <laughs> uh, you must have caught him at a really like, I don't know, vulnerable um, point where it, it you just you can hear that he's like cagey at first when you talk to him. But you can actually hear that moment where he picks up that you're a musician and that you uh have an appreciation of what he does on a, on another level than maybe the everyday fan. And then there's this like turn in that you can hear in his voice where he like starts to open up to you. And it's like, Oh my God, I, 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 I like couldn't believe what I was hearing. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I heard, I heard the same thing and it was weird. Like the knot in my stomach went away. It was like, cause it was kind of dicey. And then, yeah, like he, he, when he finally said, all right, what kind of questions do you have for me? I was like, yeah. dude, it's not like that. Like, and people yeah. still don't understand podcasts aren't like that. And uh, where I was like, just just a conversation. And then you know, I I think I brought up the chord progression thing where they have like thirteen chords in a verse. And uh, he's like, well, you get it. And then yeah, clicked. And then, right, yeah, yeah. I'd never even heard him sort of uh, speak as a musician or as a songwriter or as like you know a composer. It was just fascinating hearing that side of his brain because I feel like he always leads with a joking sense of humor with with most interviews or at least most times that I've seen him like publicly speak. Yeah. So that was I don't know. That was really, you know, that was well done being able to bring out like a side of someone that I've been familiar with my whole life. And then, you know, it humanized them in a way that I'd never uh, anticipated. Dude, that's awesome. That's what I, that's what I try to do. That's the whole idea of the show is to take, you know, someone that is in somewhat in the public light and show people that they're normal, you yeah. know, or that they're a human being, you know, for uh, sure. And uh, that's one thing I'm doing. I don't. I'm not sure when this one will come out. If it's going to come out, you know, right away or in a couple weeks. But I'm currently working trying to get Scott Stapp from Creed, which just because I want to I want to sit down and just talk to him as a person cuz I'm not a sure. fan of what he does but and people you know give him shit all the time he's been through this crazy shit but I was like dude I would love to just sit down with that guy and talk like and just see yeah. what's up you know and then see what my listenership does if they write me a bunch of emails like what the fuck are you doing you know I want people to enjoy the show for the show not for who's on it necessarily and so that's kind of the the test as well and we'll see what happens i got an email back and they're working on it so we'll see for but. sure yeah i mean that would that would be fascinating at the very least i have no uh inclination of what that guy is like on a human level so I don't either. i'd love to hear it i've seen nothing i i know nothing and that's how i would go yeah. into it i would just you know break it down but dude 
Ken Vasoli. We're talking about Fat Mike. We're talking. Tell me, tell me about your podcast fandom because you're. That's awesome. You're into. Him. I love the fact that podcast is a real conversation. It's not a text conversation. It's not a. You know what I mean? It's it's helping yeah. people connect. Like what what got you into being a podcast fan? Uh, well, I have a podcast myself, and I are you I've serious? Been, you know, yeah, I do. How the I, fuck I mean, did I not know this? Oh, it's super low key. Yeah, I don't really know what like how, it's not like part of a network, and I don't like do a whole lot of crazy promotion for it. But it's it's essentially just like a college radio show out of my uh, out of my music room, uh-huh. and I'll just I'll, I have just stacks of records all around the house, and um, usually me and my girlfriend will pick uh, you know between the two of us ten records, and then just play 10 songs and talk about them and shoot the shit. And I've had uh, like Joe from hop along on, I've had Brendan from Circa on as well. Uh, it's called wax on. So you can find it on the Apple podcast thing. And I'm going to get it on Spotify one of these days. Awesome. I'm going to check that out. So you Thank actually you. play music. That's, uh, that's awesome. Like an actual radio show. That's, that's rad. Yeah. And real records too. I try to go as deep as I can in my collection and just talk about, you know, the, the deepest cuts on them. Dude. That's awesome. I can't believe I'm embarrassed that I didn't know that. <laughs> no, don't be. Please, don't yeah, be. Yeah, it's nice to be able to, to get the word out. Yeah, that's fantastic. Wax on. Okay, I'm gonna look that up after we after we after we finish up because I, I want to check that out. I love that kind of stuff. Are you a, are you a Henry Rollins fan? I love him, dude. Love you, him. Do you listen to his show on? Uh, oh fuck, it's the NPR in in LA, but it's um he does a weekly radio show where he play he does two hours and it's like the like straight from his collection you know stuff from from the early days to like crazy uh african music to like um it's crazy it's super eclectic right. but have yeah you heard it? have you heard it i i have not i've i follow him on twitter so i see the show notes from that stuff every once in a while okay. but i haven't investigated thoroughly enough to to plug in and listen to it dude it's but it's. i have it. oh i'll bet man i mean that guy yeah i have uh I don't know. I, I have a real understanding for the way that that guy's mind and life works. I mean, he seems to be sort of like, um, I don't know, like a, like a social recluse. Like he he does he doesn't seem to care about anything except music and expressing, you know, that like um, that ravenous, you know, hunger for for music. And that's something that I've always um, like. That's something that I've always identified with with him, you know, just like always going to the record store, always trying to find something deeper than the last thing, trying to expand my horizons as far as the things that I listen to. And he, he's never afraid of any genre. And You know, that guy is. Yeah, that, there's a lot of layers to that guy that I think if if you just see him on the surface, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect. Sure. Sure. I know he's he's had um, a, a buddy of mine, Nick Reinhardt's in this band called Terramelos, and he played them on his show. And then I yes. saw him wearing a wolf eye shirt, and I was like, dude, this guy yeah. is into it. Like, yeah, deep. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> totally down with both of those bands. But me and Henry me and Henry could chill, for sure. Dude, that's got to get set up. That'd be awesome. He's yeah. turned me down three times to come on the show. <laughs> oh, bummer, man. Well, keep trying, man. I will definitely be the, the first lesson on that. Dude, I absolutely will. I'll never give up on that. But uh, let's do, let's talk about you. I want to, uh, so, like I said, we, I think we met back in early, I mean, you, you guys were just starting out with a start, well, not even just starting out, but I mean, first record, you know, probably some of the early, early touring, but 
where did you grow up and and tell me a little bit about tell me a little bit about where you come from so i am from a town in pennsylvania called horsham and i still live not far from there i live just a, just about 5 or 10 miles from there now and yeah it's like a suburb 20 miles northeast of philadelphia and grew up living a pretty you know suburban kind of lifestyle just uh doing the things that you know like water fights and you know summer camp and shit like that and uh then got into music really really early on just like i think the first i mean i i started taking like piano lessons at five because my brother was taking piano lessons and i was just tired of waiting in the car and then he started taking guitar lessons and i i wanted to like I wanted to play bass because, you know, like I, I just it was almost like a competition thing with him at first. Like I just didn't want him <laughs> to like know how to play guitar and I didn't know how to play shit because uh, we both liked music a lot. and We both like rock music and he was the first one kind of buying tapes and I was always stealing his tapes. And uh, then, you know, like I started taking bass lessons when I was like nine years old because I figured I really wanted to start a band and there weren't going to be a lot of nine year olds in my class that were bass players, I figured if anything, I could maybe find a drummer and a guitar player and then we could fill out a trio because I got this bass here and it's only four strings, one, one string at a time. Uh, I, I thought I could hack it and, and I had a really cool bass teacher at nine years old. I brought in um, the tape ACDC highway to hell only because like the there's a scene in empire records where like the store owner is drumming along to if you want blood oh yeah and i was and like nine-year-old me was like oh that, that's pretty cool i like this song <laughs> and i just found the tape and then i brought it in and like this guy that was teaching me bass was like this like leather jacket like long curly like wet looking hair like torn jeans like like I, I think I remember him bringing in a skateboard. Like he was in like Chinese <laughs> food. Like he was just like the like mid nineties uh, guitar teacher that you would expect. Yeah. And I bring in my bass, and and then I br I show him like that I want to learn a song off this record. And he's like, "Give me the record." And I I pass him the tape of ACDC Highway to Hell. I'm like, "Have you heard of this?" And he's like, "Have I heard of this?" He's like, "You're not learning this one song." And I'm like, "No, I'm not." <laughs> He goes, no, you're learning this entire album. Oh, yes. And then he taught me front to back uh, <laughs> Highway to Hell, and that's how I started learning bass. That's incredible. Dude, I can totally picture that guitar teacher, bass teacher, like the, the absolutely like the, the dude who's probably now working at Guitar Center or whatever, you know, but like back in the day was just totally hashed out and just fucking awesome. Oh, full on, man. Yeah, Rick Smith. I even like when I was finally in the starting line and everything like that, I was, you know, still living in my parents' house and he moved to the same town that my parents live in. And I was like packing up the van one day and this like short haired guy in a sedan pulled up like <laughs> next to my parents' house. And he was like, yo, Ken. I'm like, uh, yeah, can I help you? He's like, yo, it's Rick. <laughs> and I could not believe my eyes. He was like a father and, you know, I'm sure had a, had a straight laced job at that point. But like, he knew about what happened with starting line and he was so proud and he was just the, the coolest, sweetest guy. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, man. That's awesome. When things come back around like that, that's fucking rad. Absolutely. Did, what tour, what, tour, what, what, when was that around? Was that like mid touring or early touring or is that like, 
that sounds it seems like it was around that like 2002 2003 kind of time when when i was still you know a local yokel but like people were starting to you know uh like hear that the band was getting popular okay dude that's a it's funny that you say when you're talking about you know how many nine-year-olds are going to have you know play bass to start a band everyone playing guitar i think bass players and drummers are extremely smart in that aspect because that's every band needs you know they're like who are we going to get to play that you know there's 20 guitar players who are we going to yeah. get to play bass and drums you know like it, yep you you had a smart business sense from an early age i can tell it's practical <laughs> yeah for sure i i'm i'm glad that i had the gumption at nine to to think of that but i mean it turns out that bass is the coolest instrument that there is. I still, uh, I still have such an affection for for the instrument. See, I'm a guitar player, but I I agree with you that bass is extremely interesting, and I do I love playing bass. And uh, I mean, there's so much you can do tone wise. There's so much you can. Do. I mean, it's just a, it's never ending. Like it's it's never ending, just like guitar. It's just, but it's a whole oh, other yeah. ball game, and it's it's so important in a band. I mean. It, yeah anyway. yeah it's you, it's i mean it's such a big sound that i really do feel like you kind of control the, sh- the ship like you're driving the ship with that thing and not a not a lot of people realize that yeah i mean i mean the rhythm section is is paramount i mean it's it's yeah. huge so yeah, for sure so acdc was a big influence i mean so uh <laughs> your parents your parents uh did they did, like what was having music in the home like did they play instruments or did you did you and your brother was that where it started um they had music in the home and in, in that they had like music collections like my dad was definitely into you know he had a record collection before i was around but yeah. he definitely got into like buying cds once that thing was popping and you know he was like all about the rolling stones and all about dylan and you know the first music that i can remember hearing is like van morrison and credence like on car ride so i was brought up with stuff that i came back around to to really appreciate and they uh both my mom and my dad loved music and loved listening to it so it was always encouraged to play it but um i don't think any either of them were musicians necessarily i think my dad tried playing guitar back in the day and then he started a band with his you know with all his like dad friends after starting line had started up around around that time 2000 2003 he would like use the pa and like you know the practice set and and like and it used to oh my god it was really it was so adorable and they would like cover you know like heard it through the grapevine and like stuff like that yeah uh and but the thing is they would the things that drove me up the wall about it is like my bedroom was right above the basement and these guys like to kick it off around like 9 30 a.m on a saturday <laughs> so it really like, <laughs> it's like you're up for the day once these once these guys get get cranking out the tunes and then they would also like you know starting line would have to like practice the next day and then like everything would be moved around like in such a crazy way like the drum set would be like unrecognizable and there would just be another another hour of setup for us but in retrospect i should have been more patient there were it was pretty it was pretty adorable that my dad was was doing that oh that's excellent do you do you have instagram i do yeah Uh, okay so have you seen rigs of dad 
I've heard of it. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, when we're done, you can check out Rigs of Dad and uh it's pretty impressive. It's just the most amazing setups. Um, it's so funny when you finally get like a real job and money and stuff, what you can afford to get and you never got to have. But it just looks so silly. It's amazing. What, it's, it's which direction does it go? Is it the is because because my dad was a little bit more of like the crate amp kind of like he didn't really like go full bore into like he would get like still like the bargain stuff. <laughs> it's all over the place. That's yeah. what's so funny about it is it's all over the place. It's either completely off the wall ridiculous or just the most garbage setup. That's just, yeah. And they're like posing in front of it and shit like that. It's just like <laughs> like I finally made it. I finally afforded that that crate blue voodoo and and uh <laughs> whatever, you know, like it's it but yeah, rigs of dad. It was shown to me and I'll show it to you. But um sounds like a good chuckle. It's right up the right up the alley. I've been I've been obsessed with those fucking uh wicked slams and and shit where people like just wreck on skateboards and shit on instagram i'll watch those for hours right yeah yeah and so yeah those are funny like there's the metal memes and the the rigs of dad but uh that's great yeah you got to check those out but um dude so so what what's the story with you getting a starting line i've heard multiple things i've heard you were like super super young when it first kind of came to be like 14 15 and then you know, things started popping off when you were 18, but is, is that correct? Yeah, I joined, well, I met Matt and started playing with those guys when I was 14. How old were they? Matt was 20 and he was the oldest. Okay. And so, so that was the biggest gap. And that was, and it's a really like, it, it doesn't seem strange at all. Like he does seem older than me always because, you know, that's just how I've, I've always known him, but like it, it never seems as strange as 14 versus 20. And that was like, I even like, like, um, I padded my stats a little bit when I was, you know, first talking to him through email and shit. Like he was asking me how old I was. And I told him that I was like 15. Like 15. And I was, yeah. Cause I was, I mean, I was only like five months away from being 15. So, yeah. and uh yeah so but i invited him out to see my band that was playing a skate park not far from his house and uh, it was this band called smash adams and he came out to the ivy land skate park and saw that show and you know liked what he heard and invited me to come jam with him and i think a, a week or two later we started playing and what you know was the finalized starting line lineup you know was you know that formed i'd say like a three or four weeks into meeting matt wow okay so then so and hearing your influences you know your early on influences really make sense to me because your sense of melody you have a really good sense of melody you have a really interesting voice like you can always pick it out because in a genre that has so many bands it's cool the coolest thing about starting line i thought was your voice and your your choice of melody because it was unique, you know, like it stood out and that helped the band stand out. I'm sure on a lot of levels, um, you know, whether, you know, it was label interest or anything else, but you know what I mean? Where I mean, you may not know what I mean. Cause it's you, but, um, it, well, thanks. it always had like an interesting sound and the, you know, you can listen to a record sometimes and think, you know, where the melody's going to go, like your first listen. And it never really went that way. And that was always super interesting to me. And, oh, uh, nice. so, that's that's what got me hooked at you know at an early age well not an early age i guess i was in my must have been at 2002 yeah, i was like 19 but um 
that's what did it for me where I was like, that's that sound really got to me. And that's where I was like, man, this band is great. So, I mean, and then developing from there, I mean, cause you were so young, I mean, things still change and, and, uh, taste change and everything else. And you could hear that through your guys's, you know, uh, different records. I mean, the, 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 they were all very different, you know, and, and, uh, I'm trying to remember the first time I heard bedroom talk was in, Oh my God. I can't remember if it was in our, uh, we had a light guy that did, you know, some keyboard stuff for us and stuff. I can't remember if it was in his car or in a van on tour, but he's nice. like, you got to check out the new starting line. It's crazy. And he put it on and I heard, I was like, dude, this is the catchiest thing I've ever heard. This is incredible. Nice. And so that's when, and then we saw you guys on Warp Tour after that playing it live. And I was like, dude, this is, this is going to be huge. Like, this is, this is awesome. So I want to know, you know, I started touring at 19, almost 20. I mean, you were in it, you know, super early too. What was the early touring like for you, you know, kind of becoming an adult, you know, the adult where you're in that weird phase where, yeah, I can do whatever I want, except I can't go buy a beer, you know, at a bar. You're in that weird, like limbo phase, but you're still figuring yourself out. Um, you know, yeah. was there any big moments for you during that, during that for those formative years that really stood out to you? I mean, it was, it's crazy because it's the only thing that I really know. It's the only kind of coming of age that, that I, uh, I've experienced and that's a really formative time in life. So I, the things that stick out from it were, I was really excited that a, I could start touring re right away at a young age and my band was already picking up steam because I knew it was like, obviously that I really wanted to do this and I wanted to make, a life and a career out of it. I love writing music. I was always thinking about music. I was just always putting effort into my bands. I was mm -hmm. uh, always starting projects and, um, and I couldn't believe that I had this opportunity to, to do it at some, such a young age. Cause at that age of 16, when we started touring, that was when ever, everyone in my circle of friends were trying to figure out what colleges they were going to, or, you know, uh, what career path they they were going to go on, you know, after that. And I didn't have to, I didn't have to mull any of that over. I didn't have to have any anxiety about where or if I would go to college. It just, it all fell into place where I figured out a way to graduate high school early by taking a bunch of night classes at the community college. And then I gained enough credits and just pieced out by, by summer of 2001. And then we just took our first tour with the RX bandits pretty much through the whole continental United States. And that was like incredible. I think that really that's the thing that stands out the most was touring with that band. And I got so lucky to be doing that first starting line tour with the RX bandits, you know, cause I was having so much fun with my band to begin with. And then to get taken under the wing of guys like the bandits who had been already been doing it for quite a while and they were putting out this sophomore record that was really like a, a huge progression for them. Yeah. Um, and they were taking chances musically and just um, teaching me a lot about how to like escalate your band, like and not not become, you know, content and resting on the laurels of, of your past material. That band was always like we would be at Denny's. And they would be like drawing on the back of the placemats, like different stage configurations for the next shows <laughs> coming up. <laughs> like that shit stood out to me. 
And then they would do shit like, like the the not drinking thing didn't really bother me because I wasn't in, and I'm still not a huge drinker. Like I was a little bit more interested in marijuana and, uh-huh. and still, still am a lot more interested in it. And those guys were, you know, they were smokers and there was this one drive where they basically said to my band, yeah, yeah, we're taking Kenny, we're stealing him. <laughs> and so they just threw me in the, in the RX band. And I remember we listened to black Sabbath and we smoked bowls. Like they were just like force feeding me bowls. Uh, and after, you know, and like also black Sabbath wasn't anything that was on my radar at that point. I was like, really? Like, this is cool. They're like, Oh yeah, this is the coolest. And I'm like, all right, this is, with marijuana, this is good. I'm coming around on this. <laughs> and then they played. I don't know. Are you familiar with the band Hella? Oh, dude, yes. So yeah. they played me like the first Hella demo, which was like a lot of the tracks that ended up being on Hell on um, Hold Your Horses. Uh, Hold Your Horses, yeah. yeah. And so I was already like deep in the weed hole, and then like we're, <laughs> they were like. And I was like, yo, I'm good on the bowl. And they're like, no, you're not. Like, you're in our van. Like, you're not allowed to say no. I'm like, all right, here we go. And then they, like, <laughs> smoking weed and and uh, and then put on Hella. And I was like, guys, I'm going to throw up. Yes. Like, and so where do you want me to do that? And they were like, no, we'll pull over. And I'm like, that's not an option right now. And I was like, sh- and like in my brain, I was like, should I just do it out this back door here? I'm in the back seat. Like, I'll just open this back door. And they were like, no, I, I fucking in my weed haze opened their back door and started vomiting out the back of their van, like in between the van and the trailer all over their skateboards and backpacks and shit. And oh my God, they were just, they pulled over oh. cleaning that shit out so disappointed with me <laughs> <laughs> so i i failed the first uh you know like road endurance test but it taught me you know to be stronger dude i remember the last time i smoked weed was with portugal the man we were touring and uh we were at a truck stop and we were standing out there as cold as the evening and i hadn't smoked weed since maybe high school and uh holy shit so Jason had this, I think he called it like a one hitter. It looked like a cigarette. And yep. he, so he packed it. And then, so I just, I was like, you know, fuck it. I'm going to get stoned today. So I grabbed it and I just hit it like I'd been smoking weed my entire life. And I just, <laughs> the deepest, the deepest hit. And then was like, man, I don't feel anything. So I took it again and, and hit it again, just like full on. And then all of a sudden <laughs> I noticed I was, things were like tracing. So like I would look at. Jason and then I would turn and look at John but my eyes were still on Jason for a second until they caught up to my head oh my god so I was like oh no and then I started to fall backwards and so we got back in the rig and they put on fucking planet earth under the sea with full-on subwoofer everything and I was like freaking out like feeling my heartbeat like a panicking like I was like holy shit and it was the fucking yeah. worst. I didn't get yeah. sick, but I was about ready to fucking jump out of the rig, the rig because I. Uh, you're my stronger skin than was I was, crawling. man. Yeah, you got there. My skin was crawling. It was fucked up. But dude, yeah, it, oh god, <laughs> I love that. I love. Oh that. yeah, but that and that's still like my move now is like, but with other people in my life, when I do want to like flip them out when I'm smoking weed with them, I'll pop on like either 
just hella's music or some like uh like hella live vids from japan are just like the, they're the greatest they add like studio speakers um when you're smoking with friends that really yeah. will flip flip people out in the best way what's that is it what's it called like concentration face homeboy or something like that like it's i think it's in japan that that oh hella... that the, yeah probably there's oh my god there's one video specifically if people can find it i think they're playing either biblical violence or it's been a long time cousin but there is this one guy who's in the front this japanese kid with a uh like a big fro and a backpack like wearing it front ways and he's just <laughs> rocking out so hard and if anybody can find that video we'll know it immediately the, the the fucking guitar player is wearing a tank a collared tank top <laughs> Like a tailored <laughs> collared tank top. I've never seen that before in my life. There's so many great things about that video. It's my favorite. A collared <laughs> tank top. That's a band name right there. Collared tank top. Dude. Uh, they probably sound like hell too. <laughs> <laughs> collared tank top. Holy shit. Dude. Okay. So Hella is now imprinted on you. Hella and we. Yes. That's yes. like your thing. You yeah, found so your, it's like when people figure out they like the, feet or something, and they they can't get like Fat Mike. We figure out he likes getting flogged. Now, hell yes, is your yeah. hell is your whip. <laughs> yeah, and then some, somehow, like you know, through like my primitive like pop punk mind, like some people can like track the trajectory of my music through <laughs> through this story. <laughs> uh, have you heard? So speaking of Hella, have you heard Zach Hill's solo records? Um. I don't think I've heard his solo stuff. I've stayed like in touch with the Death Grip stuff and, okay. and some of his other projects, but no, I haven't heard him solo. Dude, the Zach Hill solo records are fucking crazy. You got to check them oh, out. Oh yeah, and smoke oh yeah, some I got to imagine. I mean, what's that? Smoke some weed to that. It's fucking. Yes. It, it's fucking incredible. Like it's it's so good. And, oh yeah, that's yeah. A, that's as good as done. Yeah, it's awesome. They're they're all over Spotify. Check them out. They're fucking awesome. But, um, dude, love it. <laughs> i'm telling you man you will not be sorry after you see that video it's so great man there's some fucking crazy fashion from back in the day that i'm sure you saw as well as i did but that's one that apparently never caught on because i've never, it never took of off it. i think maybe next year is the year of the collar tank top it's with there's still room for it it looked good on him i don't know oh i thought i thought sleeveless turtlenecks would be awesome at one point, but I was like, no, 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 it eliminates the point. Like, yeah, you're either... there's certain bands like I feel like I could picture in that. I feel like maybe the Locust have tried that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's some of their some of their some of their gear. They're getting back yeah. together. Did you see that? No, but I'm I'm they're, hyped on that, dude. They're putting new music. They're playing some shows. It's gonna be good. Yeah, that's one of the be... tightest bands ever. Oh my god! Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so. The one thing that you were talking about earlier was kind of, you know, gleaning uh, advice from like or, or, you know, work ethic wise from like the bandits and how they're, you know, always trying to progress the band. Mm -hmm. Did did you guys reach a point with starting line where you felt like it wasn't progressing enough and that's what kind of put things on hiatus or what was what led to that hiatus? I had some people um online as i mentioned that i'd be talking to you today and a couple people would email me asking kind of what what happened there with that and and if you regretted doing that or if you know in hindsight if it was the right move uh 
Well, I do not regret doing it. I think that that was absolutely the the right move for us. And I think, I, I don't know if it's ironic or not, but it's uh, strangely enough, I think that that's what's allowed us to be a band for this long with all the same people. Mm-hmm. I think that we sort of recognized that there was becoming a little bit of a strain on the on just being in the band in general and you know whether it be creatively or in a relationship wise uh it it just had sort of reached a point where really we had just you know we'd done the third record um and it's not like we were talking about that being the final record or anything like that we Mm -hmm. just had written that record we put a lot of uh effort into it we're really happy with it really proud of it still am and tore it off it real heavy and then it just sort of reached a point where there was there was no other tours in the books there was no other offers coming in we didn't really have any new songs written and you know i had a few projects uh going like a few coals in the fire that were you know pretty drastically different from what was going on with starting line musically mm-hmm. and also like watts and tom also had stuff like that going on you know they they were uh like flexing the the pop muscle, like with, with some other people and like everybody was just exploring what they wanted to do because we, you know, we were kids when we, when we first started this thing and we had grown into like, uh, you know, some like fully formed adults and, and some of us had just like different, uh, intentions and different goals of what we wanted for the next few years. And it just seemed like the right time to just step away and, and not put any more dates in the books and like, we sort of uh, kept it going by always just playing a, a holiday show every year, usually in Philly or Jersey or New York. Mm-hmm. We would get together, play a holiday show, and we all still enjoy each other's company. There was no big blowout or anything like that. There was no like two guys that couldn't get along with one another. It was just uh, it had just a re- reached a point where we, you know, we'd been craving a little bit of a, a break from the project, I think, and and wanted to see what life was like away from it. And then we would come together every year and do it. And it always feels really good. And then we would just sort of like, I don't know. I just sort of pictured it like being like, yeah, like we had our, we had our day and like, we're sort of like trying to go about it in a Seinfeld kind of way where we feel like we're still a little bit on top of this thing. And I, mm-hmm. I don't want to see like also like the, the climate of, the scene was really changing. Like the, the landscape of, of punk music was headed in a different direction that I really wanted to go with it. And, um, and I just sort of, I think I lost touch with what, what, what was popular and I didn't want to try to compete with what was popular Mm -hmm. with like my own, you know, selfish, like, influences like i could also recognize what people like about the starting line and i didn't want to i didn't want to disrespect that by making um like 100 percent post-punk records sure like i wanted that integrity to stay there and i think that the best way to do that was just like yeah let's step away from this just play together every once in a while and then we started to see that people just wouldn't go away <laughs> and, and that that's really the trippiest thing. I think like for real, like ultimately is that every year we play this holiday show and they were just, it would sell out and there'd still be like a ton of people and still a, a ton of like seemingly really young people too. Like it, it, it had gotten to a point where we hadn't lit, 
you know, released anything for 10, 11 years. And still I'm seeing like teenagers in the audience. And I just start like asking people like, who the fuck showed you us? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, how are you hearing about it? Like we're doing no publicity, but like people are still coming to our shows. And then somehow like at this point in our career, it seems like we're gaining like, I, like dare I say like a little bit of respect, like among the scene where the, the album seemed to have like, had some some shelf life to them and people people like returning to the stuff and it's not as embarrassing sounding as i i had maybe <laughs> like feared um but yeah it's just like i don't know it's i think that it's um really been able to preserve our relationships not doing it full on all the time and it really makes it it makes it totally enjoyable when we do it now that's super interesting. That's a super interesting take on that for a couple things. But where, you know, having the respect for your fans to not push starting line into something different just to remain starting line and keep going is right. something I've never heard anyone say, um, for one thing, which was super interesting because, uh, I mean, that's your that's your livelihood at the time. Like, that's like, hey, wait a minute. We're on our second, you know, major label I mean, deal here. Like, mm -hmm. this is a, a big deal. And then, you know, but having that, see, it seems to me, you know, not knowing you personally, having a lot of forethought and and uh, just a very thoughtful person with your decision from deciding to play bass for one, and then you know, <laughs> little, little things like foreshadowing these things, like or forethought, like thinking about things, you know, and then having enough balls to say, hey, I want to go in a different direction, but it's wrong to do it with this band even though we're already established you know right. this is our deal let's cool it and try and go out and try something new that takes some balls and i think maybe that's a, a big reason that that you know fans see that and they can cherish what was and it still is but when they when they come to see you guys play i mean it's a nostalgic thing but it's also the music held up because it was it was done in a way that was true and then you know shelved for a little while when it was time to move on like like you said with the seinfeld thing that made a lot of sense right. um but yeah that's an interesting take to to look at it that way at, from a from a fan perspective and say hey you know this is i want to play this kind of music now i'm going to start something new you know because it it just happens so often that and it's it's almost unfair for a for a person listening to you know uh, on a fan level to say hey you guys shouldn't progress you right. know, but you saved that step, and that's like a, a pretty pretty honorable thing. I'm I'm stoked on that. Um, Thanks. So that's the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is too because you're not you have other projects. You you're not like when I talk to like Mike from MXPX, like we we were hosts together on the networks. So we talk every once in a while, but I've asked him like, how what do you feel like when you have to do that scat part in chick magnet every night? Like you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're Mike from MXPX. That's, that's who you are. Like you were 16 when you started this. Oh band. my God. I'd forgotten all about and, that. Part. I, we just, we just saw, I just saw when I did that just insane interview with Antiflag, it was MXPX, Antiflag, Punk and Drublick with Fat Mike. And uh, there's that part again. Like I was just thinking, you know, like all these years later, you know, you're still, you know, Mike from MXPX. So that follows you because there's nothing really else to different, differentiate between. And, you know, that's nothing against Mike. I mean, he's that, that right. old when he wrote that. And that song is a huge fucking hit. And it still is. 
But for him personally, I was like, you know, like what, you know, what does it feel like? Do you have that moment where it's like, oh God, I got to do it, you know, where yeah. you're able to have, you know, like personnel and, and uh, a vacation or like you've got other projects. So you're not just Ken from the starting line and, you know, you can go back and do those <laughs> songs, but I think they mean more because, you know, they've been either on a shelf or, you know, they, they've, they've had time to see you do other things. And so then they can appreciate the whole catalog. So you're not, you know, from early teens to now, Ken from the starting line. Like you've got other right. things in the fire. The other thing I wanted to ask was, so you've gone like, so starting line was your main gig for a long time. That mm-hmm. was, I mean, you signed to what Geffen and then it was Virgin. Yeah. On drive through in the beginning, then yeah. we upstreamed to MCA through drive through okay. MCA became Geffen. Then we, we asked, uh, somewhat semi politely to be released from Geffen and then we found politely yeah and then and then we uh, found a home at Virgin Records okay so I want to know about that but but when I want to know what that even means but uh in that big interim I mean you're doing other musical projects but are you having to get day job to to make ends meet are you still is music still supporting you to 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 now uh, sorry, you you cut off a little bit in there. Oh, sorry. What, what so, was just the last third of the, of of that question? Is music still funding your life? Like, are you still just a musician, or do you have to get a day job in these you know ten year absences from starting line? Like with with personnel yeah. and vacationer, are you doing enough with them to continue to just do music full time? Yes. That's yeah, fucking I'm, I'm, awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean it's gotten dicey there for a couple of years for sure, but. Uh, yeah, I've been lucky enough to be able to to keep myself afloat through just music. I never had to um, like since I've gotten into music, I've never had to to get a day job, which I'm I'm that so is grateful the for. Fucking dream, dude. Yeah, man. That yeah, is uh, fucking awesome. And you're traveling. God damn. Yeah, I lived at home basically the the entire time I was in starting line. Uh-huh. I just I just lived with my parents because even at the at the time when we stopped doing it, I was only 23 years old which is only slightly nerdy. And I was just like, <laughs> just trying to, you know, still in the same, my same childhood bedroom, just like, you know, like with all the, like all of this gear and Atticus boxes and all this shit. Like, yeah. um, and then I, so I just like was just as frugal as I could be. And I saved up my money just all that time. And then, you know, uh, bought like a really affordable home and then just like try to live within my means. I was uh, that year that I bought my home was also the year that we stopped touring with starting line. And started doing like personnel full time. So I remember I was like, it was a lean year. I was like um, going to like Burger King and getting like Whopper Juniors for like a dollar. I would just get like two Whopper, two or three Whopper Juniors for for dinner. It would just be like a three dollar <laughs> dinner because I, you know, I'd w- like wiped out kind of all my, you know, yeah. all the money I'd saved up all at once and had to had to keep it cool. Dude, that's one thing kids will never understand is sometimes that guy on the cover of that fucking magazine is still living at home or, you know, eating on three or four dollars a day. They have no idea the struggle that comes with playing music for a living, even even when you make it. I mean, you still I mean, it could end at any time. Like you go get a home loan. They're like, oh, hey, I've got your record. But yeah, your band could break up. So I'm not going to loan you any money. You know, you're still people don't realize they do not get yeah. it. They're like, oh, man, boom, cover alternative press. You've made it. 
that guy's yeah. fucking rich. No. For sure. No. I had always been like really afraid to spend money. I still am. I still am like kind of afraid to spend money because I, I just don't really, I don't know. I, I don't, uh, I don't know. I'm just not like, like, uh, just fixated on it very much. And so when I do have to deal with money, it's just like really intimidating for me. Mm-hmm. So it was just sort of easier to not think about it and not like, and I always like really didn't like the idea of paying rent too. So I just, you know, my parents were nice enough to just let me, let me stick around there and we, and we got along with each other. Um, so I don't know. It was, it was a weird way to do it, but I think that it, it was doing it the right way for me. Did you, when you told them you were moving out, did you do it semi politely? <laughs> <laughs> I did it very politely with my parents. They were. <laughs> with, so when you spend money, what do you spend money on? Like what, when you do open, the, um, when you do open the door, yeah, what, what, like, what does it for you? Like vintage space echoes and uh, like ori- original pressings of yeah, like cu- like Italian soundtracks and stuff like that. Like just <laughs> strange stuff like that. Yeah, like um, yeah, it's usually gear. Um, lately, I, I have been like getting into like um, renovating the home a little bit because it is an older home and I and it's nice. Like and also my girlfriend lives here now too, so I want her to you know. Uh, feel you know at home in this environment and try to freshen things up so yeah that's that's become a new a new part of of my budget that'll take a lot of your budget (laughs) yeah (laughs) are you doing a lot of it yourself no i'm not super handy i like i do what i can like you know things that like i i take a look at it and i'm just like i think i can i can fix this but anything that has to do with like electricity or plumbing yeah i don't really fuck with Dude, that's a smart choice. If you if, yeah. if you're not inclined, just leave it alone. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay, let's talk about semi politely leaving Gaffin. What, what yes. does that mean? <laughs> um. Okay, so we were on Geffen. Okay, so like, <clears throat> and and this is you know when I'm like 20 years old too. Just just put it in the, in perspective of like my you know like uh, whatever the angst level is at that age. Like, sure. I was uh, like 2005 when we were on Geffen and we were making that record for them, which was the second record based on the true story. Mm-hmm. I was probably at the at like the most like explorative that I had been in the band as far as like trying to um, like, I don't know, be experimental, like with the type of songs that we were writing and also with the way that we were recording and just going about it differently because I was kind of at that point listening to like anything but punk music. I was, I was listening to just, I don't know, just more kind of off brand stuff. Like I was getting heavy into drive like Jehu, like, uh-huh. uh, you know, funny enough after I worked with Trombino, I didn't even like fully, like I had heard he was in that band. And then three years after we recorded with him, I had become just completely obsessed with that band. And, you know, that was partially why I even started um, Personnel, just because I wanted to make this, like, flailing, angular, just, like, freak out rock. Oh, yeah. But just, like, shit like that, I would, I, and, like, Radiohead was really dawning on me as, like, this, um, you know, just this type of songwriting that, that was really uh, speaking to me and, and just layering instruments in a way that was not you know just the bass following power chords all the time and so i i would i would had like a strong desire to like stretch that muscle and 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 put some experimentation into the record 
And so we made kind of an, an experimental punk record and like, I, and it's not without its flaws, but you know, we turned that in and this guy who was the, um, the head of the label at that point, uh, Jordan sure who you, if you want to check this guy out, you can look on if there's still like clips or episode of the Ashley, the Ashley Simpson show oh, from no. MTV, that, that <laughs> autobiography or whatever, the diary show, or yeah. whatever. Uh, she, he was the A&R guy for her or like the point person with her record. And he, he's like in like Adidas jumpsuits all the time and like a black hat and like wrap around sunglasses. Like there's like dragon sunglasses. Perfect. Um, you can't miss him. Perfect. So if you want to get a feel for the, who he is, that's the guy. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> there's gotta be some footage. And he <laughs> was just like, I just, I don't want to like speak ill of him because like, I don't know what he's like now. I can only speak of my experience with him, but like anytime we would go in there, it would just be like, we'd be sitting in his office just like waiting like 20 minutes. And then like someone else in the label would be like, guys, um, he's just going to be a few minutes. He's on the phone right now with Jonathan Davis. And he would be like oh. in the bathroom, like on the phone with Jonathan Davis from corn. Yeah. And then he would just like come into the room and then like talk about something completely different. Like, Oh, sorry, guys. Like Robert Smith from The Cure is like totally ruining my marriage right now with this fucking new Cure record, <laughs> and just like just throw us like a big fucking atomic bomb like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then uh, I don't know. It would just be always be really bizarre. And then we would play him like demos or like play him the record, and he would just be like so underwhelmed. And like I remember him like us playing him. I think it was probably like Bedroom Talk or Surprise Surprise, and he was just like he was like, "Where's the chorus in this thing?" And, and we're like, oh, it's that, you know, the big, loud, catchy thing. Yeah. He's like, and he's like, that big, long thing? And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> oh, that big, long and thing? Then, yeah, yeah, that's what we call it, that big, long thing. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then I swear to God, he'll put, he put on uh, All Downhill From Here from Newfound Glory uh -huh. because it was at that point unreleased. And he was like, you guys should be doing something like this. They're like, this is going to hit hard. It's like you guys are gonna be huge if you do something like like he would just, he would just have that kind of talk yeah and so we uh you know we made the record we we got it put out and then there was you know like really no it like we heard like nothing from the label and like we still were in it for like a few more records with them so uh like after that cycle we just had to get on the phone with them and be like hey can we just get dropped because like this doesn't seem like it's really a match made in heaven. And, um, and so there was a, like, I don't know, somewhere from like a half hour long to an hour long conversation with Jordan. Sure. Like a conference call with him and our manager, uh, and us and, and our manager even recorded it. So this, this exists somewhere, <laughs> yes. but it's great. It was crazy, man. Like, uh, he was like somehow like sort of just like trying to d defend himself and like saying like, you know, I think that you guys are like, you know, you guys made your Pinkerton on this one. And like, you know, like try, like, just like trying to just serving us all the backhanded compliments that, uh -huh. <laughs> that we could ever want. And, and, uh, and he, and I remember him making this analogy that like, you know, I feel like you guys are like, are like the sheriff in Blazing Saddles, where he's got the gun to his own head and he says, you know, nobody move or I'm going to shoot the sheriff. And like, and I swear to God, like, I still don't really uh, totally understand that, that metaphor. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't 
don't think he did either. <laughs> no, he's just like probably watching it. And he, and that scene was on and he's just like not really listening to what we're saying. And it's just like and then he's eventually like uh yeah, I think Gala at some point was just like, Yeah, can you just can, like we don't know what you're talking about. Can you just drop us? And and he was just like, Yeah, yeah, well I'll drop you. And then we were just like, Hey, thanks, man, thank you. Like at that point, like we were we were pretty happy and then then that was that, but it was like a pretty funny, like non, you know, like unconsequential. Like I don't even know what he was arguing. You know, like he didn't want us. Like, <laughs> he just wanted to make you work for it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, wanted. I don't know what he wanted. Like us to just like him a little more or something. Maybe he just sits in his room and writes those slam lists for when he can use them, and then he's like, "Dude, I'm just gonna get rid of a bunch of these right now and just, just yeah, spout them off." He's got a bunch of like uh, bands that want to get dropped metaphors for why it didn't treat your career right. <laughs> just ready to go on a list. Dude, <laughs> I wonder if he got those uh, Adidas jumpsuits from the corn stuff. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm. Pro- yeah. I think him, him and JD probably had like uh, some sort of deal going on. Yeah dude they were, they were tight what an interesting story <laughs> yeah and you know like i, I and i do like i don't want to be like this guy that was like oh you know they fucked us or whatever because like really they put out a record and like yeah it's not their fault that we weren't like as big as fallout boy or blink 182 like i don't think that our songs were really that like so at the time i think that there was a lot more sort of probably um like a more of a chip on our shoulder feeling like we were like we were entitled to something you know like or that that we were like cheated out of our shot or something like that but like really it was just sort of like i just don't think they totally understood us and i and i also was probably pushing against trying to write the like poppiest thing i could think of sure and 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 you know the chips fell where they did um but you know even like that year like when based on a true story came out and like we were on Warp Tour 2005 and we were on Warp Tour with Fallout Boy and we were slated to go on a co-headlining tour with them in the fall. And uh, it tur- it ended up like being like their record came out on the same day as us and they were just so obviously bigger than us like right away yeah. that it became like we were supporting them. And which is fine. It's like, you know, like I, it, I swallowed that pill with no real big problem. I knew what time it was and that they were having their moment. Sure. But that's that sort of was just like um, a reoccurring theme in, in our in our like career, because like the same thing happened in 2007. We were slated to go out on a co-headliner with Paramore. And then, oh, uh, yeah, Christ. and then they dropped Riot and we dropped Direction and we all know how that went. Kaboom! <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, you know, it's not our fault that they both wrote fucking Smash Records. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane probability right there. Oh yeah, so God. maybe that, like, that may have deflated us a little bit, like, subconsciously by the time that we called it quits. But I, I hope not you're not really. a gambler. You, yeah we um it's just sort of what was what happened like we just always felt like this sort of second place band because we were just doing what we did and like we had some really great opportunities and i think that we we had a really like respectable career and and still do and i think that in the long run it it helped us out because we got to just showcase like integrity for what we wanted to make and we never really tried to like bend to, to anything else yeah that's see that's what's gonna that's what does it right there i mean you guys are on par with with all those bands like that's in whether the numbers show it or not the songwriting's there you can fucking sing live that's that's but that's pleasant 
which Thanks, a lot man. of bands yeah. can't do. And then you hear them all, I, you're like, what the fuck is this? I always want to make jokes from the stage that, like, you guys know that we're lip syncing all of this, right? Yeah. Because we so obviously make mistakes all the time <laughs> that, like, I want to make that joke. But then this day and age, like, I think that people might think I'm serious. Dude, Because yeah. so many bands are, are running tracks out there. Oh, my God. But that, see, see, you got the integrity. You've done things your way. This is what something I respect so highly is you've done things your way. You've respect. You I mean you have respect for others. You have the forethought. You've got, you know, an awesome career. You haven't had to have a day job since starting music, which is fucking practically unheard of in a lot of ways. Which is Thank also you. another win. Plus, you know, you guys are still going, and you still. I I was listening to the record at, at work today. Like I, it, Thank it, you. Uh, I was up in a scissor lift, plumbing a hotel, and had that blaring, and. uh you know, and it still hits just as hard as as it always has. I mean, it's always you know somewhere in my in my wheelhouse as far as a playlist or whatever. You know, to where those songs still mean a lot to me. You know, and and uh, I mean, what a fucking awesome story, Ken. Do you got Thanks, like man. you've got and and uh, shit. I mean, I've I've yeah, much respect to you, man. And appreciate it. I Thank appreciate you, man. It. I appreciate you summing it up like that. It's that's very nice. Well, it's fucking that's the truth, man. It's it's fucking awesome, and it's it's something that a, I love hearing stories like that where, you know, it, it, things just work. You know, whether or not, you know, you're you're playing fucking stadiums. Who cares? But like, you're doing what you want to do. You've done it your way. And if anyone was to you know question anything you've done, you can with your head held high say I did what I wanted to do. You know, that's the ultimate win. I mean, for sure, it's being man. able That's... to, you know, anywhere you go, anything you do, anyone tries to, you know, throw you shit like, well, hey, I did things my way and I'm still doing it, you know? Thanks, man. Re people like, uh, kindly enough, to rarely throw me shit. So it's, I'm, I'm doing something right, I think. You are. So I appreciate it. You are, Thanks, man. man. I appreciate you coming on the show, dude. This has been, this has been absolutely fantastic and, and, uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate it and sharing your, my sharing pleasure, your story man. And, you got a new fan, man. I'm 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 subscribed. <laughs> that means a lot to me, dude. That means a lot to yeah. me because it's you know full circle. Who knows? <laughs> For sure, man. Um, before I get out of here, I uh I do have a you know my most current project, Vacationer. We're yeah. putting out records these days, and we have a uh, an instrumental record coming out uh, September 27th. If if anyone's interested in that, it's like basically like a, a hip hop beat tape, just instrumentals from the last record that I didn't put vocals to and just finished up all in my house um and we're pressing 500 of them on paxico records and it's um pressed and distroed through fat beats so anybody that wants to check that out it's called wavelengths and i'd really appreciate it if people got one excellent and the podcast wax on right that's the name yes yep wax on check out the podcast you guys are playing riot fest i will be there um i'm flying out to chicago for that weekend and uh dude it's gonna be awesome Dude, oh yeah, well yeah, dude. Uh, please, you know, um, introduce yourself. I'd love to meet you in person. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, dude. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, buddy. All right, we'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ken Vasoli from the starting line, from Vacationer, and from Personnel. Um, what an awesome dude! Such a fun conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Definitely hit me up. Let me know what you thought. Um, but as always, I hope you, I hope you just got to enjoy being a fly on the wall, um, or in the, in the vehicle, in the car, wherever I was recording. I think I was recording it in the car, um, where I do a lot of these, 
And uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. So check out merge4.com and uh, check out stickerninjapdx.com or excuse me, stickerninja.com is the new website for them that do all of our stickers. Uh, like I said, we're have new merch up in the store soon. Um, lots of cool things coming up. Lots of great guests coming up. Um, we're still going through a lot of the, the episodes I've had done for a while. And, uh, you know, sorry we took a, a week or two off there. I've been having some stuff going on with my pops up in Seattle uh, with heart surgeries and things like that. So I've been a little offline. But as always, I'm always here for you guys. You know, you want to reach out through email, whatever. Uh, you can get a hold of me. Peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the email. Peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. Go there for all the information and everything else you need that way. And uh, I'm going to get out of here, guys. So as always, we'll see you on the radio. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard.